Gentlemen, welcome back to the Being Husband Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan West, bringing you guys another episode here, telling you guys like I always do. Gentlemen, thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. And if you've been with us for any length of time, then you know what I always say. It's a tall, tall order to be a man of one's household. But if there was ever a time that we needed strong leaders in our communities and present fathers to our children and loving husbands to our wives, it's today. Wouldn't you guys agree? With that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this theology on Thursday episode. I titled this episode, Is America a quote-unquote Christian nation? Are we a Christian nation? And so this... There's been a lot that's happened in the past few days that has led me to this, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, part of it was the thing that went on uh, at the church. I don't know if you guys saw, but it was a church in Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, A guy that was going to cause some harm came in, shot two of the members, which was very sad, but then there was a member of the church who used to be in the armed forces and pulled his weapon out and shot the guy right in the head. And it was it was amazing. I mean, it was a great shot. It, it stopped the threat, and, and he even went closer to make sure that the, the threat was taken care of. And so it was this really cool testament because there were other people in the church that had drawn their weapons as well, you know, to protect the, the other folks. And so it was this really cool testament of how um, – how I think as a nation, you know, with that right to bear arms, I think that we've really, I think that we've really lost what that right's even there for. And so it was a really interesting testament, I think, for why why we need that right, why that's an an awesome right uh, to stand up for. So that happened. And then this whole thing with us uh, and Iran happened and I was like, OK, all right. Let's get down to this because I hear a lot of people saying, you know, are we a Christian nation? Are we not a Christian nation? Why are we going through this with Iran? On and on and on. And so the question, are we a Christian nation, is really kind of loaded question for one. And it's a little bit of a misnomer for two. So in this, so I'm trying to find the words to say. We are a Christian nation in the sense that Christianity and its values are things that have influenced what are foundational principles to our state, what are foundational principles to our government, what are foundational principles to our society in in, in America. When people used to say, are you a Christian nation, that would mean that if you don't believe the way that I believe, then you get out or you're persecuted in some kind of way. And, and in that way, we're not a Christian nation, right? In the Americas, you know, in, or not the in the Americas, that sounds weird. In America, in the United States of America, you don't have to be a Christian in order to live here. Um, you're not going to be persecuted. Uh, probably on the contrary, you'll probably be championed, right? Like if you're not a person that believes in uh, the, the the Ten Commandments, you know, if you're a person that doesn't believe in uh, the Bible and the truth that's in it, I mean, you'll probably get some kind of award for being a rebel or a renegade and, you know, whatever the case is, even though <laughs> not being a Christian is actually pretty, it's not unique anymore. Maybe it was unique a few, you know, way back, but um, to not be a Christian today and say, you know, we're past religion or whatever the case is seems to be 
the in vogue thing to do. But with, with all that being said, um, I think what I'm trying to say is that what has made our country what it is from what I can you know, gather in, in the little bit of research that I did, and I'm not even scratching the surface with what I've done, is, is that our nation was founded on what people called the Judeo-Christian ethic. And they say Judeo-Christian, you know, Judeo coming from, you know, Jewish and Christian obviously coming from Christianity. And, and that ethic um, is, is deep. I mean, there's a lot more to it than even what I'm going to get into today. But the idea behind it is that there is morality that we have to infuse into our governing bodies. Um, and I'm going to get into a little bit of that here in just a minute. Um, I, I, something I need to say, so many of us, and I'm including myself in this, we don't know how deep embedded Christian values and Judeo-Christian ethics are embedded into, I mean, everyday life and into the you know American Constitution and things like that. Because quite frankly, I've not read that much history. I'm going to just be honest with you. I mean, I know a little bit about this and I know a little bit about that. I, I am not a history buff in that sense. Now, granted, I know a good bit of history, so don't get me wrong, but I couldn't tell you all the happenings of World War II. I know we dropped the bomb on Japan, and that's about it. That's about all I know. And anything else that I know beyond that later on, if you hear it uh, in future episodes or whatever, it's going to be stuff that I'm learning now because it just... Either it didn't stick with me when we learned it in school or we just didn't learn it. Um, it is just really the long and short of it. And I think that that I don't think I'm alone in that, for one. And I think because I'm not alone in that, there are so many of us that don't know our history and we don't know why we believe the things that we believe. We don't know why things over here are drastically different and drastically better in a lot of cases than other parts of the world now granted america's not you know it's awesome but it's not it's not the only thing that's awesome right there are other countries that are developed and things like that but the point that i'm trying to make is we don't know why we have done as well as we have because we don't know the history um and, and what i want to shed some light on today are just a few of the reasons from you know from a christian value standpoint and us, you know, not being a Christian nation in that we impose that on other people, but us being a Christian nation in that we have those values inherent in our constitution. I want to kind of show you guys the two things, two, two I guess, points as to why that's the case and where they come from in scripture. So the first point that I want to get to, okay, in our Declaration of Independence, we have that, that we have the, the section that talks about, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal with certain inalienable rights. OK, um, now, when we hear that, that sounds like a lot of jargon, right? You probably heard that on Schoolhouse Rock, you know, right after the I'm a Bill song, you know, the I'm a Bill. Yes, I'm only a Bill. You know that song. So. All right. So you heard that. OK. And you were like, all right. I hear the language, but that I just I don't even really know what that means. Okay, so let's backtrack then. Okay, where did they get that idea from? Before, all right, backtracking a little bit. 
the founders and the framers, okay, they all were deeply intellectual, like real smart dudes, very well read, very educated, very, very, very smart dudes. So they read a lot of uh, philosophers, they read a lot of thinkers, they read a lot of poets, and they read a lot of history as well. And so they were able to gather from that this idea that has its roots in scripture. And you guys, I talk about this all the time. In Genesis, we get a verse from God that's directly related to this idea. And it is, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So from the outset of scripture, from the beginning, in the first book we have in the Bible, we have a declaration that Male and female are equal in value and all humans are equal in value. Now, at that time, when that was written, when Abraham wrote that, Mo, sorry, when Moses wrote that, Moses is the author of the, the first five books or is at least believed to be the author of the first five books. Um, when he wrote that. That and, and, and that went out into Jewish tradition. That was revolutionary because there were so many people that either didn't believe that men and women were equal or that some men were more important than other ones. I mean, it's just it's it's a, it's an unbelievable idea. And throughout human history, even I mean, even if you look outside of, you know, the Jewish folks, I mean, you've got other tribes you've got other ancient people groups where the people that you know they i mean there were people that literally thought that people that were in politics were gods right that kings and pharaohs and all these things they were gods and so the idea that all humans have equal value slave free whatever all humans have equal value was crazy and so crazy in fact that i don't think they really got a grip on it i don't know that we fully got a grip on it. i think we've got a better grip now than maybe back then but humans didn't have a grip on that throughout history right because if we did there wouldn't have been slavery there wouldn't have been transatlantic slavery and i'm going to get to that in a little bit there wouldn't have been all these different things that went on because we would have understood that hey i'm no better than you you're no better than me okay and that's also where we get the golden rule from, right? The, the, the rule that says treat others as you wish to be treated. That's, that's, that's from the Bible. That's not something that we just made up arbitrarily. The golden rule is from the Bible. Treat others as you wish to be treated is, is, is actually in Jesus's words. He says, love others as you love yourself. It's where we get the golden rule from. So anyway, this idea comes from Genesis and the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that it went down the line throughout history, right? So you've got, all right, follow me. You've got this idea going on in ancient Jerusalem, okay? And then it gets passed down years and years and years and fast forward and now we're in the 16th century, okay? And you've got the age of enlightenment happening. And so you've got a lot of different philosophers bringing this idea back into the conversation and and, and thinking through this because, what they were experiencing, you know, and during, again, this is this is to show you how much history I know. I don't know a lot, but I'm learning some. And, and so during this time of the Age of Enlightenment, you've got people 
in Europe and in England specifically, where they're they're looking at the, I guess the, I mean I don't want to say I guess, they're looking at tyranny in the face. They're looking at rulers that are saying you believe this way or it's going to be a problem. You have to believe this way. You have to do your faith in this way. And so they're looking in the face of that. And then they're looking at this doctrine. They're reading these books about humans having inherent value. And they say, okay, why is it that they get to decide what's important, what's most important for us? What makes them the arbiters of truth? And how can we, right? If we, if we, if we leave and we go try to find out how to do this thing on our own, how can we prevent the overwhelming amount of tyranny that happens when people form in groups, when people form governments, right? Because these, again, these guys, the founders and the framers, they had read a lot of history and a lot of philosophy and they could see throughout history that rulers got so powerful the different rulers in different times and in different societies get so powerful that they become corrupt that they do bad things to people you know you ever heard the term absolute power corrupts absolutely the the founders and the framers wanted to figure out okay how can we keep that from happening right because it's happening to us and we don't like it so how can we if we were to go and start our own Nation, if we were to go and start our own society, how could we keep that from happening? And when they understood that human beings were made in the image of God and they took that idea, they came away with the reality that human beings have a degree of sovereignty in their life. Now, that's a big word, Jonathan, that's a school word. <laughs> All right. I hear you. So, you guys know, I mean, you guys are, you know, you've been in church, right? So you, you know, sovereignty in terms of God, right? You know that God is sovereign. He has supreme rule, but a lot of you guys don't think about sovereignty in relationship to people, to me and you. And the thing is, is that when God gave us dominion, right? When he gave us a level of dominion that gave us agency and some degree of free will. Now, you guys say, well, Jonathan, aren't you one of those Calvinist guys that doesn't believe in free will? And, and I would tell you, that's not what I believe. I believe that I believe that human beings, of course, have free will. And then there's a divine will that God has in place that he's in ultimate control of. Right. Because here's the thing. God has divine will, but that doesn't mean that I take my hands off of the steering wheel. And say, God's in ultimate control here. No, I, I exercise wisdom. I, ex I exercise my free will to do good and to do right and to exercise wisdom. Okay? So, that wisdom and that understanding of knowing that I have ability to make choices and they have consequences and I have to be responsible for those consequences and those choices, that is an act of agency or an act of sovereignty. Okay, so fast forward again or rewind back, I should say, to what I was saying before. The founders knew 
that in order to have a just government, they had to honor and respect the sovereignty of the individual. They had to honor and respect the sovereignty of the individual because that individual was in fact made in the image of God. And therefore he has and she has inherent and intrinsic value endowed by her creator, endowed by his creator. And so then a lot of people at that point of the conversation, they will say, well, Jonathan, what about slavery? Right. Like if 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 the founders and the framers knew that and they had slaves, how could they possibly, you know, say this on one hand and do this on the other hand? First things first is we have to define the terms. Right. So slavery is is wrong and, and God does not approve of it. I mean, it, it, if you actually read through history, you would see that the abolitionists, right, the people that abolished slavery were Christians, most of them evangelical pastors. But that's besides the point. The, the point that I'm trying to make here first is to frame slavery. And I have to frame it first because as soon as I tell people that Christians are not, you know, that God and our faith do not align with racist slavery, people will say, well, there's all kinds of, you know, Southerners that used to use that during the Jim Crow South. They used verses from the Bible to condone slavery. What do you say about that? And I would just reply because a lot of people, when they say that, they're referring to Ephesians 6, 5 and Colossians 3.22 and 1 Peter 2.18, they're, they're referring to those three points in Scripture, which are, you know, Ephesians 6.5 is the household code. So it gives a breakdown of the entire chain of command in the house. OK, so um, I have to say before I get into that argument that we have to talk about slavery in context. Transatlantic United States of America slavery is not the same as slavery that went on during the time where the Jews were involved with the Greco-Roman era. That's not the same thing. Most of those slaves in that time, again, in the Jewish Greco-Roman era, right? In that time period, you were a slave either because you owed a debt, so you had to work it off, right? Because the, the word is doulos, word is do or I think I'm saying that right doulos or doulos but the, the the Greek word is doulos and that term can be translated slave can also be translated servant can also be translated bond servant um, and bond servant you guys know what a bond is right you got a friend he gets to jail you have to go pay his what you have to go pay his bond that's what you owe in order to get him out of his situation and same thing was with the doulos you might have got yourself into a bind. You might have borrowed too much money. You might have not worked as much as you should have. And therefore, you had to work your way out of slavery. Or you could have been a prisoner of war. All right. In a lot of cases, that happened. Right. You got a nation that comes in and overtakes another nation and enslaves the people, which and I'm not again, this is no justification. So don't hear me say this, but it, that was an act of mercy by a nation to do that, because really most nations would just kill the people. But in some cases, nations would act mercifully and, you know, just enslave the person. So I'm, I'm saying I'll let to say this, man, trying to compare. 12 years a slave 
to what the Bible's talking about in Ephesians 6, 5 is comparing apples to oranges. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're not based on the same thing. They're, you know, most of that in that time period, again, Jewish and Greco-Roman era, that was based on economics and politics. It was not based on uh, skin color. It wasn't based on, you know, race in any, in, in, in most cases. Now, Having said that, I'll have guys tell me, well, what about the Egyptians? They enslaved the Hebrews, and those were two races that were at odds. And to that, I would say you're exactly right. Um, But I would say, too, you got to remember that God called Moses to lead his people out of that situation. So anyway, we could go back and forth all day about something like that. But the point is, is that those are two different, two different circumstances, two totally different circumstances. And it's important that you know that it's important that we read. Look, we've got to read the Bible in full. We got to read it in full, man. You you could take any part of the Bible and make it mean whatever you want. Right. Like the, the, the same thing that people are saying about well, what about Ephesians six, five. Right. Or. or it, of course, if you take something out of context, you can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. You, you know, people in the Jim Crow South took six, five and they said, see, we need to have slaves. Slaves need to obey the master. See, it's right there. And then people could also say, you know, Jesus wept. So all men should be OK with crying. And it's like over everything like men are supposed to cry over everything. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you strip it of its context. Right. Jesus cried because his friend died. Right. And he only did it for a little while. And then he went to go raise him up. You're not getting the whole story. And if you don't read the Bible in its entirety, it's not going to make sense to you if you strip it apart. You have to read it at its whole. And and so what you'd have to do with that Ephesians 6, 5, right, where it talks about slaves, be obedient to your masters. You have to take that verse and hold it up against in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them and say, all right, I know humans have intrinsic value and are made in the image of God. But right here it's saying slave, obey your masters. And then at that point, you don't say, oh, the Bible's inconsistent. <laughs> That's lazy. That's intellectually lazy. You don't come you don't come to any other difficult book that way. You come to a difficult book saying, you know what, I'm a complete idiot and I need to take time and actually understand what the author is trying to say here. And so you do research, you find out what words mean, you find out historical context, you find out, you know, other supporting verses that support both sides of these seemingly uh, inconsistent things. And you do the work. You got to do the work. The, the 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 beautiful parts in scripture, like the most beautiful parts, at least for me, man, like the stuff that I've learned has been for me doing deep digging into something, deep, deep digging into something. And from there, I bring out these nuggets that I'm like, whoa, like, the you know, things make a lot of sense. So. What I'm trying to say is, man, is that. When you take apart those things. And you you allow yourself to take those things out of context. You can take and run with it and change the entire meaning of things. So people that, you know, think that slavery is something that God, 
agree agrees with or that God thinks is good or whatever the case is haven't read the entire Bible and I'm open to have that conversation I'm open to take that challenge up but I just I don't see anywhere where God thinks that it's okay now here I will say this and then I'm going to move on to the next point just because things happen in the Bible and that God allows rules around them doesn't mean that he approves of them right it doesn't mean that he's okay with them right there was there was Solomon had multiple wives, okay? And people will say, well, God's okay with uh, polygamy because of that. Well, if God was cool with polygamy, then what would be the point in him doing a marriage between one woman and one man in Genesis? What would be his reasoning for that? What would be his reasoning in making the... um, making the point that, you know, that's what brings about children, one man and one woman being together, committed to one another. So anyway, I'm going to move on to the next point. But the point is, don't take the Bible out of context. Understand that human dignity is birthed from Genesis. All right. Second point. Second point that the founders really found out because they internalized scripture was that humans are corrupt, right? The heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? Who can understand it? Man thinks about evil all day long. You guys remember we talked about this in the episode of total depravity. And I told you that, you know, whether if you, if you believe the doctrine of total depravity, or if you don't, that changes the way you're going to think about governing people, changes the way you're going to think about leading any people group, because, If you think that people are inherently good, then we need to change systems around them to help them do more good. If you believe that people are inherently bad and that we need checks and balances to make sure nobody has too much power, then you structure the government therein. And that's what the founders believed. The founders believed that humans were inherently bad. That's the people that were in leadership. That's the people that were the representatives. And that's the actual uh, people themselves, right? The the lay people, people that weren't involved in government. So they created what's called, and I'm sure you guys remember from Schoolhouse Rock, the separation of powers. And that was to minimize corruption through checks and balances. When you, now, I will say this too, and, and like any of these ideas, any of these great ideas that I tell you about, right? The human dignity piece that we talked about a minute ago, and then the separation of, of powers, these weren't original ideas to the founders and the framers. They had borrowed them from scripture. And then in this case, the separation of powers, they had actually borrowed from early Greco-Roman times, right? There was several Greek thinkers, Greek and and Roman thinkers, specifically Greek thinkers that thought through the separation of power. So this wasn't a new idea, but it was one that they implemented that they thought would be the most valuable. So all that to say, man, we had to, they had to separate it because if the uh, leadership got too strong, then they would be tyrants against the people. But if the people got too strong then it would just be mob rule and somebody says oh what's an example of mob rule you remember whenever jesus was jesus it was jesus and barabbas right you've got pontius pilate pontius pilate saying which man should i let go right and the crowd yells crucify jesus crucify jesus crucify jesus that's an example of mob rule 
mob rule is is just as unjust as tyranny. So the founders had to find a way that that would that we wouldn't completely get rid of it, but that we would at least minimize the ability for that to happen as much. And so the initial objection to this is that, well, Jonathan, isn't the system broken? Isn't the system the problem? And the reality is on this side of eternity, while we're not in heaven, there's no system economic or political that's ever going to be without inequality that's ever going to be without poor judgment, that's ever going to be without the potential to exploit certain people groups. The fact is we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. We just do, man. Sin's involved. Sin's involved in every branch of government. It's involved in us. Whatever the case is, things are never going to be totally right. And and that's why I say to you guys, man, we have an important role to play as husbands and leaders of the house, man. Like we are in charge. We're gifted the opportunity to assist God. Now, he doesn't need our help, but we he, he's inviting us into this to to build his kingdom in our homes and in our communities and in our our hearts. Really, like we have this opportunity really to save the world i was texting i was texting my buddy joe and i, I t- told you this joe's a good friend I, I love that guy but i was texting him and i said man being able to be a part of god's mission in the world feels heroic like you know what i'm saying like to wake up in the morning and be like yo what i do today provided that i ask god to order my steps is gonna move that needle just a little bit further is going to bring about his kingdom just a little bit further. Just that kind word to somebody that I don't really know. You know what I mean? Building that strong relationship with my wife is 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 pushing that needle a little bit forward. Raising up my kids in such a way that they honor God. Like all of these different things are leading to a great, epic, crazy ending that I don't even know what's going to happen. Like we have... That's our responsibility, gentlemen. We get to assist in that, making the world better. We get to make the world better every day. And so what does this have to do with being a husband, Jonathan? You're telling me all this stuff. Like, what does this have to do with any of this stuff? As husbands and leaders of our homes, gentlemen, we have to be committed to truth. We got to be committed to truth. I, a lot of this stemmed from, you know, I told you about the conversations that I, we were having about the Iran thing and about the, the guns thing and whatever. And there's a lot of political conversations going on right now. But there was a post, actually, that uh, T.I. did. And I don't know if you guys know who T.I. is, but he's a rapper. OK, so he's got I was on IG and I was just kind of bumbling around and I stumbled across his recent post. And he he's posting about the Iran situation and he posts this video of uh one of the leaders of iran i don't know who it is but one of the leaders is saying when we say death to america we don't mean death to the people necessarily we mean death to the leaders we mean death to their way of life that's who we're referring to when we're talking about death to america and i was like wow yeah that makes me feel a lot better like i'm (laughs) 
<laughs> I was worried there for a minute, but now I'm very comforted. Thank you so much for explaining that to us. But so I watched this video and I was just like, what? Why would T.I. post this? So I, I, I read his caption and T.I.'s like, basically in so many words like it's never been an iranian that's called me the n-word and you know what i'm saying like i don't i don't have any problems with them like you know i support our troops but um i understand their position basically and i was just like yo how intellectually dumb can you be i mean just have you ever read a book my man do you even know what you're talking about or who you're trying to say, well, you know, they're not so bad. Do you, do you know? Do you understand? And then I went on, I went on and I read, <clears throat> I read somebody else's comment. And this was actually a, it was a, it was a gay guy. And I'm, I'm saying that cause it's important to the conversation it, because anyway, I'm going to explain the, the, the gay guy said, I stand with Iran. I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, yo, do you think that they stand for you? Like, do you think they care about you, boss? You think they're going to come over, tuck you in, read your bedtime story? You know what I'm saying? Fix you a warm glass of milk and bake you some cookies. What do you think about these guys? What do you think about these folks? And the reality is, is that so many of us have such a, negative view of where we live and a positive view of everywhere else because we're not committed to truth we're not committed to intellectual engagement dude let me say this because this is random but it's crazy the average age back during the founders and the framers time was like 35 so like it, so at 18 you're like having a midlife crisis like right like it's it's about to be over here in a little bit if the average age is 35 and so what am i trying to say i'm trying to say guys some of us you know we're we're in the cohort of you know millennials so we're like 23 to like 35 something like that how many of us spend time and i'm including myself in this spend time reading history reading solid literature understanding our economy understanding where we come from understanding the word of god and what it means how many of us spend time doing that and versus the time that we spend on netflix you know like it's a shame that we have all this access to information and and, and we we just don't take the time to understand truth. And that's why people like T.I., that's why people like, you know, that guy that said, I stand with Iran. That's why they can say stupid stuff like that or why they do say stupid stuff like that is because they don't know. They understand a little bit. They understand, hey, America's had <clears throat> some terrible, some terrible things that have happened to it. Slavery is terrible thing that happened. Terrible thing that happened. Um, so, you know, us going to war. War is not a good thing in and of itself, guys. It's it, it's 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 a terrible thing. 
but it's a thing that happens. It's a thing that in a lot of cases is necessary. And what I'm trying to suggest here is that you and me have to get beyond the emotional outrage that's that everybody's getting involved into. Everybody's got an opinion. Everyone's a political expert and no one's read a book. No one's read a book. Or if they read a book, it was like an article in in uh, the Cosmopolitan, right? It was like an article on BuzzFeed. That's not exactly studying. So what am I saying? What is what is understanding the Christian influence or, or understanding uh, Christianity's influence on America? What is, why is that necessary for us? We've got to be committed to truth. Okay, and while we can have access to all this information, platforms to share it and means to 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 study it rigorously, we need to use that because we're in a place. Granted, America's not perfect. We all know that. We all know that. <laughs> we know that all too well. Right. All of us, you know, shortcomings and evils that we've done. We all know that very well. But we have the ability to gain knowledge. And I was telling somebody this today. Us not taking time to study, us not taking time to know the word of God, to know history, to know good literature, all these different things that will just make us better, stronger, more decisive, intellectual men. It's like leaving money on the table, bro. It's only going to make you better. It's only going to make you more useful to what God is trying to do in your life. To be able to have a mind, to be able to reason, to be able to actually love and not hate and to be able to understand the, the, the nuances of life, the complexity of life. It's going to be able to make you a better decision maker. To understand and to not get so emotional about what's going on that's our responsibility and and we're in a place where we can do it freely while we can i think we should engage in it and this with that guys i say thank you for listening thank you for taking time out of your day to support what we're doing here if you liked what you heard give us a review Leave us a review on Apple iTunes. If you can't do that, share it with a friend. And if you can't do that, then just DM me on IG at underscore Jonathan West. I love to hear from you. I love to hear what you guys disagree with, uh, what you guys agree with, what you guys think I can do to make this show better and more useful to you. It's with that, I say take care. Build on.